everybody. This is Danielle Town. Welcome to Invested, the rule number one podcast. We're on hiatus last week and this week, but don't worry, you won't be missing Invested because we've pulled another one of our favorite episodes from the archives about putting your money where your mouth is and investing your values. As you know, investing our values has become a core tenant for dad and I, and we think talking about what that means is extremely important and worth another listen. So I hope you enjoy this show from the archives. Don't forget to keep practicing reading your 10Ks, and we'll be back in September with new episodes to discuss and to talk about how hard those bloody 10Ks are. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Hi, everybody. I'm Phil Town. I'm Danielle Town. And welcome to the Invested Podcast. Where we discuss, what are we discussing? Mindful money. We are talking about mindful money, which is something you started talking about. Yeah. And I don't think I really actually understood what the, what you were actually talking about when it came to mindful. I understand what I'm talking about. I mean, I, I know like... I'm talking about rule number one, which <laughs> is don't lose money. <laughs> How is that mindful? But what, what are you, what is mindful anyway? I think mindful is just being aware, like noticing, being aware of what you're doing, being conscious about what you're doing. And I think with when it comes to money and investing, a lot of people like me, have no interest in that, as I've said lots of times. And you just want to, like, literally, figuratively stick your head in the sand and literally not do anything about it. And whimper. No, you don't even whimper because you're not even conscious that you're doing it. Oh, okay. That's the point of the consciousness. Well, mindful just sounds like granola to me, man. I know. It's 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 a word that a lot of people use that... It's but yoga. No, but, but nobody it's, likes it because it's so vague. It's zen. It's. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. that. Well, it's no, just no, that nothing it's, wrong. Don't get me wrong. I'm all into it. It's just that it's a bit vague. That's all. Well, tell me what mindful is in the sense of like yoga people. What are they talking about? I, like if you were being I just mi- said. <laughs> Clearly, it went right by me. <laughs> so awareness, consciousness, noticing what you're doing. All right. If you were in yoga class. What would that mean? Like if I'm in yoga and I'm trying to do downward dog, yeah. What is what is what does mindfulness mean to me in my downward dog practice? Well, it probably means if you start wandering off in your mind into like thinking about what you're going to make for dinner, maybe just notice that for a minute and say, "Oh, I'm I'm here in downward dog. Why don't I pay attention to my downward dog instead of what's going to happen 2 hours from now?" Ah. And then once you're paying attention to your downward dog, maybe then you're thinking about your breath and where your muscles are. And there's all sorts of different like, you know, levels to what you can notice. But I would say initially it's just like, what are you doing right now? You know, people always say that it's kind of trite, but people always say like, just notice what you're doing throughout the day. And that's kind of boring. Yeah, I I just want to say, just shut up. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot of stuff I do during the day that I really don't want to notice or think about. (laughs) Just notice your breath. Right. But when it comes to something like this that we're talking about, which is like an addition to our lives that we have to make a conscious choice to do or not do. And most of us who listen to this podcast do not do it. That's the whole point of listening. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. therefore, the only way to get yourself or to entice yourself to like it enough to do it, I think, is to have some consciousness around it. And just, first of all, notice that you're not doing it. Like, I literally didn't notice that I wasn't doing it, that I wasn't investing 
until a few months ago when we first started talking about doing this podcast. I, I just didn't think about it. It was not in my consciousness. Well, this is, I'll, I'll tell you people who are noticing that they were not investing. It's a bunch of baby boomers who are about 63 years old and have 100 grand to retire on. They're, they're noticing that they're not investing. I bet. I yeah, bet. and it's freak out time. Yeah. So we, this is clearly something we don't, we intentionally don't notice it. Is that kind of true? No, that's a good I mean, question. On, I, don't, I don't know if it's intentional it or no, you th- or you just don't know about it. Strange. I'm I'm really pondering this. That I mean, assuming people are actually listening to this podcast. Yeah, well, and they somebody are. somebody who's listening to this podcast obviously has become so you guys as, on some level aware right. that they are not investing and clicked on this podcast for some reason obviously but there's tons of people who are not listening to this podcast I don't know why <laughs> who <laughs> who um, who are genuinely like it's just not something you think about I never thought about it. And I have a a father who does this for a living. Like, I think of all the people who know no one in the financial world and don't know anybody who's investing. Of course you don't think about it. I mean, why would you? It makes complete sense that you wouldn't think about it. Oh, this this question has been bugging me for years. I mean, I love my agent. She's fantastic. My book book agent, agent? literary agent. Yeah. And she, she did wonderful things, took me into sort of an Alice in Wonderland tour of the publishing industry in New York on the first <laughs> book. And yet, and she knows what I'm writing about, and yet she doesn't invest yeah. and doesn't want to, doesn't want, she doesn't want to do it. She doesn't want to and deal with it. And I remember meeting her when you were working on the first book, and she was so excited. And she was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to read this book, and I'm going to do what it says. Yeah. And then she read the book and yeah. she did not want to do any of the things no. that it says. No. Just like me and just like everyone else I know. Which was actually the inspiration for book number two, Payback Time. I really wrote it with her in mind and with my my editor over at Random House in mind, who's a great guy and who is he's sticking his finger in the water of investing. And I thought, okay, I'm, these guys don't want to be involved in, in sort of actively managing their money. They just want to they just want to buy an occasional company once in a while. Mm-hmm. So I wrote payback time for that and neither one of them changed anything. Nothing changed. Yeah, and I I get it and you don't. You don't get it. Well, first I just think I'm not <laughs> writing very good books. But, <laughs> but like I get it because I it's like, oh, I just am not interested. I just am not interested. Well, we're not interested in all kinds of things we have to do. That's like, true. We're not interested in exercise. We're not interested in diet. We're not interested in working hard to get ahead. <laughs> we're, I mean, mostly we want to sit on the couch and watch NFL football. I mean, mostly. Or the Real Housewives. I mean, you know, what are you going to do? But yes, absolutely. So how do you... And, how, we, and we, that's why we don't want to be mindful of what's in our day, because we don't want to do most of the things that we're doing. It's so much easier to just shut your brain off or shut your... That's not even really like brain level. It's like shut your consciousness, your awareness level off and just go through the motions. Just do what has to get done. Well, so, you know, obviously at some point, some people, enough that there's interest in what we're doing here start to recognize that investing is a pretty necessary function. Right. It's like you you know you have to work out because right. the doctor has now told you 
your heart needs exercise or something like that. And you're going to you're going to die in 5 years or you're yeah. going to have terrible health problems if you continue to eat like you're eating. Mm -hmm. Some some crisis is occurring. And so there. what you have to do in that situation is find the right exercise that works for you, that you don't hate enough that you'll continue to do it, or maybe even like it. I mean, that's like the pie in the sky hope that you'll like it, but you probably won't. So mostly it's just don't hate it, right? Yeah. And then gradually you get better at it and you get more comfortable and it stops being like the most painful part of your life. And then maybe you even feel a little bit good when you go out for a run or go you know, do whatever that sport is. And then maybe you start to like it. And that's what I'm hoping happens here. <laughs> my God, this is pretty desperate. I, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of my weight room downstairs, uh, which I went into the other day on a whim. And I looked at my exercise, like the book that, that this, you know, wellness doctor gave me to make sure I was working out regularly. Gave me a, wor a workout do? book. Oh, like a log? A log. Oh, where you, yeah. write, you yeah. write when you work out? Yeah. And I noticed that I had logged it in in March of 2014. <laughs> that was the last time I put anything in that book. I've been in there since then. I've actually done some exercise since then, but I didn't do enough to actually think I should be logging anything. And um, that's a terrible confession because I went to the trouble of actually setting up a good weight room so I wouldn't have to go yeah. to the gym. I honestly didn't even know you had that weight room I'm... until you told me that that's where I should go find a yoga mat. And then I walked in there and I was like, whoa, this is actually really nice. Maybe I should work out. But then I didn't. So I did yoga instead. And that's my point. You did not go in the weight room and I did not go in the weight room because neither of us like to do weights. I like to do yoga and you like to ride your horse. And that is what you've been doing. You have not been not exercising. You true. do a ton of exercise. You just do it on the horse. And I do it in yoga. And like, it, you need to find what works for you. And I think often, see, you didn't even notice. You were not aware of how much exercise you're doing. Well, that's a really, really good point. I mean, I, I love to ride a horse and I... Yeah, I never really think of it as exercise so much. And you didn't even put it in your dumb little logbook. No, it definitely, go, <laughs> definitely didn't go in the logbook. But I probably ride an hour a day or so. Yeah, and when we went snowboarding last winter, I was dying on the first day with, like, shaky legs. And you, <laughs> who's a, a little bit older than me, <laughs> you were just killing it. You had no problems. I was so impressed. Oh, that's cool. Thanks. I, I, I'm really getting something out of it, which is nice to hear. Yeah. And you kind of don't notice you, because it's sort of part of what you do. The only way to notice is to I like actively notice. So is this part of really what we should be talking about is, is that I set up, we, you know, Melissa and I got this house a few years ago. Actually, I guess what, three years ago. This is the first time you've really actually been here and hung out a while. That's true. Which is thus why we're you just in, discovered the weight room. That's right. <laughs> we're in Atlanta. We're hanging out. Yep. So um, I'm just thinking that uh, we kind of got this because we wanted this horse lifestyle. I mean, because we want to be active, we want to be outdoors, and we want to stay in shape. And so we built a life around this so we could do that, we, that, that we would be exercising, we try to live a healthier life. Mm -hmm. So are we saying that that's what we're going to need to be doing for investing and for, in other words, it, we sort of did this and it encompassed exercise and diet and, and where we wanted to live. So we, we, we rationally built this kind of life. We sort of intentionally did it. 
you mindfully did it. We mindfully did it. <laughs> I actually don't really like the word mindful. It just it just has the same first letter as mine. Right, cool. We can stop using it. Well, I'm thinking. I'm just thinking is if this is a metaphor of, or something for what people are going to be doing for investing. I mean, obviously, I I do investing most of the day. I mean, you know, I really yeah. I mean, you lot. like naturally like it. Obviously, yeah, I really like it. So the I think the task and the point of us discussing this and recording our discussions is to create a way into that um, enjoyment and usefulness for people who don't naturally like it. You know, you might not know this at all, but before you were born, I was not an investor. You know, I was a I was a river guide. You started investing before I was born. I did. And then I started investing and I started investing. I didn't have any notion that I wanted to be an investor at all. So for me, um, it it required someone to sort of take me by the hand. I mean, basically, all that happened was that a guy that I met in the Grand Canyon who who offered me an opportunity to come and hang out with him in La Jolla and see what he did as an investor, took me under his wing and and um, taught me to be an investor. And, I, and I'm trying to think of what was the motivation that I had other than trying to be out of Flagstaff, Arizona in the winter where it was really cold. He lived in La Jolla and it was really warm. That was the main motivation. I had no... I'm really cold. I'm really cold. I think I'll be an investor. That's a leap for most people. So let's try to find a better rationale than that. I mean, if there were ever a reason, that's a good one. Actually, you know, when you come right down to it, I don't like to be cold. Being cold is a very good motivator for being an investor. But then you'd start to think, well, I need some money. And that was the other thing is I didn't have any money. And so it never occurred to me that, I mean, it. come on, it, it never occurred to me that I'd be an investor. I didn't even really know what it was. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But this guy took me under his wing. And, and I think what I did is I basically made myself a promise that I would work at this really hard for five years and I would make a million dollars. I just I just promised myself I would do that. And I, you know, tell you the truth, I, I think there's a lot of power to that um, idea that you promise yourself something as opposed to setting a goal. I mean, I mean just as me, but I mean, if some guy comes up and, and gets on his knees in front of you and says, you know, hey, Danielle, I really want you to be my wife. And um, it's my goal that I'll never sleep with anybody else the rest of my life. That would not make me happy. Oh, would your make dad. you happy? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like, forget that bozo. He's supposed to I promise. I feel like I would have stronger words than that. Though. Yeah, so I'll you. Leave out of that's the big difference between a goal and a promise, don't you think? <laughs> you know, I mean, having a goal, a goal is sort of like an intention, and and just the having of it kind of lets you off the hook a little bit. I think. You, you don't you don't have to perform on a goal. We all have these intentions to be in great shape and to have this great diet and eat properly and and to sleep eight, nine hours a night and get to bed early and, you know, on and on. We have all these intentions. Right. And almost the fact of having the intention dilutes it. Like, it, I don't know if that's right or not. What are you looking at me like? I'm, I'm not. Crazy. I just don't see the difference between... I don't see the difference between a promise. I mean, I see the difference between a promise and a goal. That's why there's two different words for it. But I'm not sure I... 
buy that just because you call it a promise, suddenly like you're automatically going to do it? Well, come on. If some guy promises, you know, I mean, to I be under, true I to you. I understand the difference. And yet, you know, people break their diets all the time and people don't do the exercise that they've promised themselves to do. Okay. But in fairness, there is, you do see that there's a much more potent level of commitment when you say, I'm promising that I will do X rather than it's my goal. Like it's my goal to meet you at the theater at eight o'clock. Mm-hmm. I'm going to really try. Maybe, That's a lot different than saying I'm going to be there. Maybe there's two kinds of people in the world. Maybe there are people who respond well to promises and people who respond well to goals. All right. Well, look, at, I'm not putting down goals. I, I don't mean to put them down. I'm just saying that they're a lesser power in uh, in your what in your psychology and the way your mind reacts to something it's to me a promise is and and this you may be absolutely right there's different people in the way they're going to look at promises but to me a promise is something that's all about your character i mean your character's on the line with a promise so if you promise somebody something and you don't do it that's a character flaw you have a goal and you don't achieve it that's not a character flaw you know, you. It, I don't know how hard you tried, but it, there was no guarantee you were going to do this thing. Yeah, you're saying that with a promise, if you don't do it, you've broken your word. Yeah, you should be dead. You should be dead. <laughs> like, I think there's something in Nietzsche about this, actually, about that a real, a real, uh, like a like a person that's the a real person would only promise things they could deliver on. Only. And they would always deliver on them. And I don't know. That's the way my dad raised me. And to think is that if I promise somebody, I'm, I'm going to be there and do it. And you know people who promise stuff all the time and don't deliver. I mean, there's always people like that. I would but that's say a we character have flaw. all done that. Well, we've all done that to some degree. Hopefully you learn that, wow, when you promise somebody something, there's an expectation that's set up that's very different than saying, I'll try. Absolutely. I mean. And yet... We have all promised things that we have not delivered on. Yeah, character flaw. Yeah, character flaw. Okay, so we're not perfect. We're flawed, yeah. (laughs) We're not perfect. (laughs) But I really want to strongly urge you to think that if you were to take this really seriously, whatever this is, being exercise, diet, healthy eating, um, whatever it is, going, you know, making it to college, whatever, that making a promise about it is a much more powerful I wanted to say secret, and then I realized that this is the secret. The you mean secret, the secret? The secret. Yeah, <laughs> this is like what the secret's all about: is to to really commit to something and stay focused on it, and it, and suddenly things start to kind of come your way. That's the the at least that's the concept mm-hmm. of the secret. Uh, you know, a long time ago, I when you were a little baby, I was working closely with Dr. Jonas Salk at the at the Salk Institute on an investment um, that he was involved in, and he said that his favorite kind of concept about the way the world works was from this Goethe poem um, about, I can't quote it exactly, but the basic idea is that when, you make, when you're fully committed to something, that nature moves to help you in ways you could have never imagined in a million years. And I think to a certain degree, that's the power of a promise. You know, it's a burn the ships moment there. It's like, okay, we're, we're not leaving here unless we're successful. It was on it was on that level that I just said I'm going to do this. I totally agree with that mostly. 
<laughs> so great. I think what that, does that mean? I think that that is true. When you fully commit to something, nature comes up and supports you. I've seen that happen a lot of times with myself and with other people. I but, particularly like the idea of getting a parking spot with that technique. Oh, I tried that. It didn't work. Oh, too bad. Yeah, lots yeah. of times. Oh, okay. But I guess I'm just not doing it right. <laughs> That's the only explanation. It's the only. Lord, I need the a Mercedes only explanation. <laughs> oh, Janis Joplin's got a great song about this. So um, go ahead. Sorry. But I think that we can make decisions and have desires that are not supported by nature. Like, you'll want something, and it's just like there's just obstacle after obstacle after obstacle. And at a certain point, you have to say, sorry, I'm banging my hands on the desk because I feel very emphatically about this. At a certain point, you have to say, is this something I'm willing to do that seems to be against what nature or the gods or the universe want me to be doing? Are these obstacles that are just obstacles and I'm meant to go through them and that's part of this process? Or are these obstacles saying like, this isn't right for you. Don't do this anymore. Turn your head and look the other direction because I'm really trying to help you here. You know, and it's really hard to tell between those things when you want something. It's really hard to tell. I have no advice on how to do that except to just feel your way through it. Or maybe just pick one way or the other and keep seeing if it gets any easier. But... I think once you've gone through that, and if you're feeling like nature's supporting you, okay, then yes, then I start to notice all of the nature support that's there. And it's like, burn the ships and do what you want to do and like, go for it. And you'll start to feel that you're being supported in all kinds of new ways. But I do think that, um, you know, just somebody being like, all right, I'm gonna like become an investor now full time. And this is gonna be my thing. And it doesn't matter that I have all these responsibilities that I'm going to ignore. Like, that's not a good decision. Well, I'm torn a little bit here because one part of me, um, the part that wants to do this podcast in particular, wants everybody to be an investor, right? I want everybody to be an investor, everybody to feel like they can do it, everybody to understand that they should do it, right, and all that. But the other side of me is agreeing with you completely. And 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 what I think you're talking two about. Are, they're not opposed to each other. Well, they are. Why does everyone have to be an investor? Well, they are if you want everybody to be an investor, and I do. So Well, but uh, there's different levels, right? I mean, I hope there are, because I certainly don't want to do this full-time. So <laughs> I hope that there's like a part-time <laughs> option. Very good. All right, so there's a I part-time hope there's a option. weekend warrior option. Well, one that doesn't depend on this being what you're put on Earth to do. Exactly. Now, let's put it because in those terms. Because we certainly are not all put on this Earth to purchased companies in our spare time like that's <laughs> fair enough fair, yeah, some people are point. and most people aren't well clearly you know warren buffett is one of those guys who is right and um and he loves what he does and i would call what that 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 thing is when you're doing what you love to do and you're making money at it and you're successful at it and you're and you're making the world a good place by being there and doing it I think I think that's dharmic stuff. Like it's a the idea dharma of dharma means that you it's what you've been put on this earth to do. Yeah, and I, and I don't over think you have to of your life. Yeah, and I don't honestly don't think it even has to be a kind of an Indian mysticism or a, or you know religious or anything. I think even Anne Rand, who's a raving Russian atheist, believes that people are here for reasons, 
and that it's important that you find out what you're here to do. And in her novels, she's got guys who are here to put bolts in the skyscrapers and they love what they do and guys who are electricians and they love what they do. All their heroes are people who are totally loving what they do. They're in their dharma. And um, and so I, I think this idea is something that's really important that you're bringing up and that is that there is this kind of flow that can happen in your life, which is, you know, it's just like everything starts going really, really well. And then there's this other thing that can happen in your life where nothing works. I mean, it's just horrible. It's always bad. And, um, and I mean, when I was on the river, I would think about this a lot because I was studying Indian philosophy a lot. And, and I, I would get on the flow, I get my boat out in the flow of this river. And these were huge boats. I mean, they weighed tons. And um, I keep remembering this, this great river guide who's a great friend of ours. She's still guiding river trips in her 60s. Her name is Louise Rist, and she weighs like 120 pounds, and she rows this boat, which weighs tons. And the, she was so skilled at it. What she would do is she would get the boat in the current and the, into the flow of the river, which in this metaphor is dharma. Okay. Okay. The flow. I was wondering where you're going with this. Yeah, yeah. So the flow of the river is this dharmic idea. You're in your dharma. So she gets her boat in the flow of the river, and she doesn't have to do anything. It just goes downstream. And then she is, in your words, mindful. Like she has to pay attention. Mm-hmm. But she doesn't have to do a lot. And, and the more her attention is educated, let's say, the more she knows about rowing a boat on a river, the less she has to do because she knows okay, now is when I pull a couple of strokes with the angle of the boat in this way, and that will avoid the danger which these passengers don't even see is coming. It's just boom, boom, and now I'm in a new place on the river, and now the current's carrying me in a new, a new place entirely, which is safe. And she does this. It's like this great skill in action to watch a 120-pound woman row a multi-ton boat down the river with seven people in it effortlessly. It's mm-hmm. awesome. You know, obviously you can make mistakes and when I you mean, do, you got to gotta... be fair, like 120 pounds and 160 pounds don't make that much of a difference. So like it's the same with a dude who's 160 pounds, right? Yeah, it's the same. Okay. Good. <laughs> Just making sure. <laughs> okay. That was some gender cool stuff there. I'm coming up to speed on. So yeah, fair enough. Um, although I don't think there were any other, I think everybody was like, 200 pound big guy. Oh, no, that's not true. There were, there were some skinny yeah, little guys in there. Yeah, I don't believe that for a there second. There were skinny little it's guys in there. a little bit there. of selective memory. It was. <laughs> so, so. Old habits die hard. <laughs> so, somehow we got off on this whole ridiculous talk about Dharma. Um, it's not ridiculous. No, I it's just, I just about, mean we, we, we were meant to talk about dividends on this particular oh, episode, and, and we're we not. We did kind of get off the track a ton. But. I, well, I still think it's important because though. because here's the thing. Yeah. It's not... First of all, I have many things to say on this subject. Clearly, because you're pounding on the desk I'm again. sorry. I feel like it puts a lot of pressure on people to say that there's this um, purpose that you have in life and you just have to find it like as though it's so easy and everyone who hasn't found it has found failed or like made terrible choices in their life or isn't in the flow of the river i mean like how terrible I see, it does sound kind of pretentious it puts, no i don't know if it's
it's pretentious, but I just think it puts a lot of pressure and it's okay to be like in a job that you don't like that much. Like that's okay. That can be part of your life too. Like you haven't screwed up, you know? There can be reasons to do that and to stay in that job. And there can be reasons to live in a place that isn't perfect. And there are reasons to, you know, whatever, like not have time to work out. Like we all, like I said earlier, we're all flawed. We all try to do our best. We all fail. So this is, this. I mean, everything you're saying is true. And yet, and yet everything you're saying is true too. Like those two things exist at the same time. And I think that there is a purpose for each person um, and finding it is important. I, I don't know if we all find it though. Well, well, if I can, and, and that's okay too. So if I could just bring this back to so dividends. If I can just bring this back to investing. Yes. If only we all had a little bit of extra cash. I was going to say that. <laughs> it sure would make it a lot easier ah, to find your dog. I was going to say that exact thing because it opens up possibilities for you. Absolutely. That's the whole point. That's the whole point. That's the whole point. And so if we could drag this back to the mundane world of money from the ethereal heights of Indian and Western philosophy. Yes, but, but I do think that we've been looking for a way for for me and everyone like me to get interested. And if it's about some sort of fantastic higher purpose, I just got a little bit interested. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's good then. That's, it is good. So I got to tell you, I mean, just the fact that um, I started this and then you were born and it was going along pretty good. When, when you were a little baby, it was, it was things were moving really, really good. All really, really good almost always right up until I had to invest all of your college fund into a company. Mm -hmm. I just had to. And then that got a little bit nerve-wracking, but that all worked out. And as a result, you know, you, I got opportunities in my life to do a lot of things that I would have never imagined I would do, right? I mean, I got to write a book that I could conceive of writing because I had time and I had time because I had money. Mm-hmm. So it would like how did that happen? How did I get on to being a writer? You know, it's just I mean, I always there wrote. are twists that you can't predict. Yeah, there are twists you can't predict, and you but you just kind of follow stuff. I, I will tell you that that when you were a little tiny kid and stuff, and I would go out and I'd ride on motorcycle trips and stuff, I would stop and I would write and I would write and I would write and I would write. So I, I you know, it's like there there are clues there that might come along, and. Um, and a friend of mine asked me to give a speech about this kind of stuff. And I ended up speaking on, you know, on big stages around the country with people like Bill Clinton and and I, every single president except Ronald Reagan I've since uh, Jerry Ford I was on stage with at one time or another. Um, in these huge arenas, I think I did four or five hundred speeches like that. Crazy. I mean, it's nuts. I, I have no idea where that came from. And the thing is with something like that, you literally can't prepare for that or plan it. Like if no. when you were like 20 years old, if somebody said to you, because people constantly ask you when you're 20 years old, what do you want to be when you grow up? Right. And you're like, I don't know. And you, what's worse Maybe is you alone, take, you you take those tests. <laughs> but you, would, you, would, you can never say like, well, I would like to be a speaker about investing. Exactly. And uh, also invest and also write. And that's my plan. And here's how I'm going to get there. Like, it doesn't work like that. It it's doesn't. not a job that you find in out there in the world and then you work towards it. It's just about following 
I always sort of make a little curvy. You're making a little curvy because of, it curves and you can't the, see around the curve. It's Robert Frost. It's the path yeah. less traveled. You pick that one. Or it's the path more traveled. It's just the path, you know. Like it's it's, <laughs> it's your, your path. path. It's your path. And you don't. The the point is that it curves. <laughs> Dad, <laughs> it let's does. let's go with my metaphor, not Robert Frost. Okay, please. fine. The point is it curves. <laughs> Forget um, the path less traveled. It's a road and it yeah. curves. Yeah. And it takes you to and a life. And I feel like like obviously we're both still in the middle of that curvy path, and everybody is. Yeah, and I think it helps to be a little a bit lot. brave about it. I'll tell you that though. Oh, that helps a lot. It helps to be brave it's about very, it. Like, this is crazy. When I was in high school, they may, they have you take these tests that would tell you, you know, what you should focus on for college. Yeah. Now, this is the 1960s, so they're probably, everyone probably laughs at them in psychology now about how stupid they were. Because I took that test and it had something like become a mechanical engineer. <laughs> okay. Well, you would be good at that, to be fair. I don't know if I would or not. It's never been interesting. But I immediately took a course in mechanical engineering in high school. <laughs> I thought, oh, okay. And I was drawing bolts in three dimensions, right? Okay. And I, I was actually, it was interesting to me. But that was the last course I ever took on it, right? And then I, I went off to college and hated it on every level. There was no course I was taking that was interesting. So I flunked out of every place. And then I went into the army, and that was fascinating. I loved it to a point. And then I found out that in, in this idea of Dharma, part of it is that you know you can tell when you're really in the right place because you're the best there is at it. That's obviously a pretty good clue that you're in the right place, or at least one clue. There's, there's other clues about how you're dealing with it emotionally and stuff. But when I was in special forces, there were guys who were, they were just braver. They would. They were guys who could get shot at and not flinch, and shoot back single shot and just be ice cold. I mean, unbelievable warriors, right? And I was okay, but I wasn't as unbelievable as those guys. And when I became a river guide in the Grand Canyon, I was a good river guide. You know, I led river trips and people were comfortable with me leading them and and. I had a great time, but there were better river guides who were more interested in the Grand Canyon, who learned more about it, and who were so wonderful about teaching people and getting people involved. And And on my last trips in the Grand Canyon, honestly, I just sat on my boat and looked at the walls. I was so burned out. Yeah, that's a huge clue. Yeah, when you I was stop toast. I was absolutely when you toast. stop caring. Yep. And so... Your point that I would have never in a million years dreamed up a life that said you're going to be a best-selling author and you're going to be a, 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 a famous speaker on these huge stages in a million years never could have conceived of that. And yet following from one thing to another because I'm burnt out over here so i got to do something different. And then because I'm kind of, I don't know, desiring to change, things come your way. Opportunities I, I, start to happen. I think they do. I agree. I mean, that's and, when that guy happened in the Grand Canyon. Yeah. Boom. And you have to notice it. Mm. And then you have to be brave. You're right. You have yeah. to be brave. You about have to it. be brave. Yeah. That's a pretty key part of this whole thing. Well, I'm thinking that we were very brave to dive into this rather Well, I did, certainly did not subject. intend to. <laughs> I don't think we, we should be going into dividends right now. I think we should be just heading that into the next, into the next podcast. And we will get into that because I want to talk about... The impact of cash flow on a retirement account and and how you can use dividends to create what Warren Buffett calls an equity bond. And it's just way cool. And we need to get into that. Okay.
Okay. Yeah, let's do that next time. I do think that this conversation relates to investing, <laughs> even though it probably doesn't sound like it does. And um, and, and it's, it's a lot of what I'm thinking about of like, how how does this work? How does this actually genuinely help my life besides just being a pain in the ass of something I have to do like twice a week and check my stocks that I own? Like, I don't want to do the latter, but I want to do the former. Was there anything in this that's encouraging you to be an investor in this notion of, I don't know what we we're talking about, Dharma or something? No, not really, huh? has not been made for me yet but that doesn't mean that it's not there and really for me the connection is creating a source of wealth beyond a salary gives freedom and the freedom is where choices and opportunity and uh and fulfillment comes all right we're gonna we're gonna definitely have to figure this out <laughs> you know, obviously, the whole point of this podcast is to, from my point of view, is to turn you on to this thing that I really love to do. And so far, I don't know that I'm, I'm getting it. I'm not getting very far, but we might no, be getting it has, somewhere. It has not happened yet. But I feel, okay. I feel like maybe it can. <laughs> and that alone is progress. That alone is progress. <laughs> well, let's let's stop there and then dive into dividends. And maybe I can convince you that having a wonderful cash flow when you're 80 years old is a really good thing. I mean, that sounds good. So. All right. All right. Well, all right, guys. Bye. Until then. Bye, everybody. It's time to go play. See ya. Hey, you guys. Thanks for listening to Invested, the rule number one podcast. If you like us... Please subscribe, please, and leave a review for us on iTunes. Uh, by the way, you can get our notes and links for this podcast and post comments about this show and uh, also get more information about how to invest on your own by going to investedpodcast.com. Um, by the way, everything, this is important, everything discussed on this show is either my opinion or Danielle's opinion, and it isn't to be taken as investment advice because... I am not your investment advisor, nor have I considered your personal situation as your fiduciary. This podcast is for entertainment and education only. I, I got to tell you, I really hope you enjoyed it. And I know Danielle does too. So until next week, it's time to go play. See ya.